That was Steve Behrman, a.k.a. Swami Beyond Ananda. And uh, have you ever seen him perform live, Phil? Um, only in, in a small setting. Good? N- not, not in a, like a commercial uh, venue that he was performing, just in sort of living room settings. Uh, yeah, I, it's what? a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun. And his, a lot of his <laughs> uh, material is online for people to enjoy. Uh, and, and we didn't get into one aspect of his work. Uh, he, as Steve Behrman, as not Swami Beyond Ananda, he does um, seminars and uh, workshops for people on uh, the use of humor in different settings. He's obviously a very bright guy. Uh, it's interesting his path, how he went from, he set up an experimental school in Washington, D.C., he was cutting down trees uh, uh, in, in uh, I think it was, he said, Michigan or wherever it was. And then, uh, you know, he's a comedian whose focus is on spirituality and spiritual groups. And one of the things he brought out, it is interesting, the spiritual groups I have been around ever, uh, when a joke was told or anything was said, everybody looked at the guru. And if the guru sure. laughed, then everybody laughed. If he didn't laugh, <clears throat> you know, mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Is mama happy, everybody's happy. It was that sort of thing. Uh, but and I think I have generally been attracted to spiritual groups where I sensed there was a, a lightness and a sense of humor and not some uh, heavy, heavy feeling. And I think that's more the case than not the case, uh, at least in the states of the spiritual groups I've seen. But you've had a lot more experience. What, what's your take on it? Well, you're right. When the guru's around, that tends to happen, unless it's the guru making the joke, in which <laughs> case everybody left. Yeah, I mean, you know, both of us were around Maharishi. I've been around other mm-hmm. gurus, too. And sure, there's a certain amount of that, just like you would find if the CEO were in a meeting at a corporation. You know, right. so, um, but um, for the most part, I, I've always found the the, the bigger... Uh, observation to me is how people are when the guru is not around and whether um, people in a community have the capacity uh, to see the ridiculous <laughs> in their own world and be able to laugh at the fo- fo- foibles of their own organization mm-hmm. and uh, if they can do that I think it, it's it's a sign that the community is fairly healthy. If they can't, you know, I'd, I'd get, I'd walk out the door as quickly as I right. can. Right. I remember it with the TM movement. I mean, most people were very open and loose and had good yeah. senses of humor. But when you got to the what they used to call international staff, where the people that worked around <laughs> the, Marshy, I, I didn't uh, sense a lot of uh, laughter there. It was really unusual. People were very serious, very focused on what they were doing very concerned in terms of what the guru would think and uh, not a lot of uh, laughing unless the guru was laughing kind of uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Not always, but, but you, it was a certain amount of that. And but I think that's I, typical. But on the other, you're right, but at the same time, if those people were not functioning in an official capacity with eyes on them, they could loosen, they would like loosen up. Right. Many if you people. were just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like any any group, any organization yeah, yeah, yeah but like he was the class clown. I was probably a little like that myself, and yeah. uh, and then there were people that are just by nature more serious. Uh, he, he, uh, 
He was a class clown in the same junior high school that I went to. Really? But what junior we were high school was we that? Were in different, we were in different classes, so we didn't know each other, but we discovered we had gone to the same uh, school in, in Brooklyn. What part uh, of Brooklyn were you, did you grow up in? Did he grow up? Well, at that time, I was living in what's official, Brownsville. I think he was probably Crown Heights, but... Uh, people from those neighborhoods both went to particular. Uh, right. What I don't know if they have junior high schools anymore. They tend to call them middle schools now. Yeah. But that's where that's where we went. Well, so and and he talked about the uh, those an area like New York where there yeah. was uh, many different ethnic groups, and it seemed like all the ethnic groups developed comedians. And I think part of it was, you know, people. It was tight quarters. People didn't have as much, maybe. A lot of people were just, you know, second generation, first generation in the States. They were working mm-hmm. their way up. And and you had to have a sense of humor, I think, to really uh, survive and, and yeah. put up with some of the things you put up with. And I think that's why out of these urban areas, like New York, or especially New York, you had uh, a lot of comics came out of those areas. That's right. And from different ethnic groups. And... Um, in where I grew up and where Steve grew up, you were all thrown together. It was this kind of melting pot thing. And, and because of the way uh, the neighborhoods were, um, there was more ethnic diversity and racial diversity in the school systems then than there right. is now, right. probably. <clears throat> and we were all thrown together. And we would tease each other and make jokes with each other and play games with each other and hang out together. And a lot of the humor came from uh, our circumstances, our parents' backgrounds, our ethnic backgrounds. And, and political correctness was thrown to the winds, man. You know, everybody was teasing everybody else and making right. jokes about, you know, stereotypes that would now, you know, get you in trouble. Right, right. And I think, I think that was pretty healthy. Right. I, I think now they're... Yeah. And I, I think uh, at that time, and I had the same experience in New Jersey, uh, where you had uh, different religions, different ethnic groups. They were all thrown together. Everybody got along pretty much for the most part. People uh, kidded each other. Usually it was in good humor. And, and I think what's happened now is, uh, and, it, and it, it affects your spirituality because you get to see different people from different spiritual tr- traditions. You see more what you have in common than, than what you not have in common. And I, I think now... Uh, people uh, with uh, money, they send their kids to private schools. People with, without money send their kids to pu- public schools. So I think there's much more division in that way. And uh, I think, you know, I, there was something very good about the diversity that we experienced. And I, I think it definitely contributes to your spiritual life and growth and your uh, understanding that we are, there's a oneness yeah. in humanity, if you believe that, and I do. And so uh, there's a lot of commonality between people, much more than uh, difference. So, yeah, and humor is a big part of that. I mean, humor breaks down barriers. Mm-hmm. And humor, I mean, one of the things we talked about with, with Steve was uh, humor as a kind of spiritual practice. We didn't call it that. But it, in a sense it is, because it, it, it penetrates illusion. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like we have this illusion of one thing or another, but a good, well-aimed joke could puncture a hole 
in pomposity right. and self-importance right. and egotism and you know your basic assumptions about certain things. And in that sense, humor can be a you know a mind-expanding right. um, tool. Right. I, I remember that when I first went to uh, a Trappist monastery, Spencer Monastery in in uh, in, in uh, Western Massachusetts. Trappist monks, Thomas Keating, who along with Basil Pennington, they're both priests, developed centering prayer, came from there. We were, you know, uh, there were meditation courses. and, and I, But I went there, and I grew up Catholic, but I had, you know, not much experience ever with these cloistered monks. And I expected these guys to be very serious and kind of uh, standoffish and all. And I went, the first time I went there, I did a group meditation and talk with a, about 40, 50 men, and it was a, the female abbess of the women's monastery she was the only woman there but she came over as well and these people laughed and they they kidded each other and i really was shocked by that that boy these are really normal healthy people that can laugh and, and as a matter of fact they seem to be uh much of the time like uh smiling and laughing more than the average person so that mm-hmm. that that impressed me and i think that had everything to do with their spirituality and their commitment to it. You know, it was a pretty simple life. Yes, yes. And, but, you know, there's, they, were, they had, look, um, we often talk in, in spiritual circles, regardless of tradition, of, you know, inner happiness, inner peace, and, uh, you know, in, in Ananda, of bliss, bliss consciousness. If you have some of that, it bubbles up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason that, the, you know, the, the gurus that we all uh, are so fond of laughed a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they could just enjoy this, the ridiculous mm-hmm. aspect of, of life because they saw right through it. They, they saw it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they, could, uh, they could take delight in the little things uh, because they, they had a certain freedom of consciousness right um and you know sort of less and and, and, a, and a perspective not to take things so seriously oh also i want to mention before i forget this um i i was uh, uh there's a group that does laughing yoga and when i first heard about it i thought this is a joke right <laughs> laughing yoga and it's right. not and the guy that actually i i can't remember his name that introduced it it was very much like other forms of meditation twice a day for 20 minutes you need to laugh, and I don't know how they trigger the laughing. And he explained the physiological effects of it and what it did for your, you know, for your mind and and your body and and your spirit. And and obviously, people have gotten results from it. It's a real thing, you know. People actually do laughing yoga, and uh, fascinating. I know, and and we should clarify for listeners when when these laughing yoga people they just laugh. It's, you know, they don't right. do anything to, um, you know, make something funny so you laugh. You just, start, you just laugh. You just essentially fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just get it. You know, there's research. I don't know if it applies to laughing intentionally for no reason, but it probably does because there's research that shows that if you smile, whether you... Mm-hmm feel like smiling or not just do the muscle movements that constitute a smile 
that it has an effect on your brain of, you know, that's similar to when you're having uh, any other experience of pleasure. And it, there's some brain function just from moving your mouth in the shape of a smile. So why not laughter where, you know, much more of your body is involved, you know, your diaphragm, your lungs, and everything else. For those listening in, take five minutes after uh, our <laughs> interview here and uh, laugh, laugh, uh, get a good belly laugh. There's nothing better. There's no better medicine uh, after, you know, a hard day as, or, or uh, an argument with somebody or whatever to get in that frame of mind where you can really laugh. And I think a lot of stress is released and, and obviously you're putting something good into the, to the atmosphere. And uh, uh, in the words of uh, Jackie Gleason, uh, pins and needles, needles and pins, it's a happy man that always grins. Remember that. Well, um, and you could, we should mention that on Steve Behrman's uh, website, wakeuplaughing.com, mm-hmm. uh, you can sign up for your daily laugh sativ. Very funny. Yeah, go to that website uh, it, it, because uh, he has a lot of little quirky and funny things on it. Uh, it's, it's well done and well thought through. And I noticed he's a bright guy, good with words, and, and, uh, there's a lot of um, uh, uh, a, a lot of play he does uh, uh, with words. And, he's a and, great, great punster. Mm-hmm. He's a master of puns, and that's why you can um, go to his website and become absurdified. Very good. Well, <laughs> Phil, may we okay. may, our next guest may. Uh, uh, talk about crying or whatever yeah, else. Yeah, we'll or get that, back to serious stuff. Okay, back. man. All right, next time. Over now. Bye.